0: boys and girls welcome to the two-footed podcast it is thursday the 10th of june and we're brought to you by eplindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor liberty shield liberty shield is a vpn provider that's a virtual privacy network allows you to go online change your location access things like american netflix also keeps your data safe check out LibertyShield.com and use the code eplvpn to get 20 percent off at checkout We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft. Home of Hopcroft is a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. So do check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Once again, folks, just asking you to take a moment, have a look at the Micah Redress stuff going on in the Republic of Ireland at the moment. Uh, Just go on social media, hashtag redress, hashtag Micah, M-I-C-A, You'll find it. You'll see the homes crumbling. It is something that needs to be done. If you can find one of the petitions, do please throw your name on it. It would it would help families massively. Right, folks, it is Thursday, which means it is Twitter day. Uh, we do have some news. Obviously, Spurs have been looking for a new manager. They came, we thought, quite close to appointing Antonio Conte. But it appears that they have moved on and moved on to Paolo Fonseca, the former Roma manager. So it would be a basically a swap. Fonseca from Roma to Spurs, Mourinho from Spurs to Roma. I'm going to talk more about this tomorrow. But I've seen some people say, oh, you know, it's, it's the most Spurs thing ever. This guy's a good manager. That's the bottom line of it. He is a good manager. Um, he plays really good football. He works very well in tight financial situations. He's a good manager. Is he Conte level? No, absolutely not. And having gotten that close on Conte, it is a disappointment. But anybody was going to be a disappointment after getting that close with Conte and not getting it done. Um I'll talk more about it tomorrow, maybe the how the fit could be. But I want to get into the Twitter questions because there are quite a few of them. And um Some of them look quite good. So we'll jump into these. And we'll start with Owen H. Hurley. Which stories in the sporting world would make a great book, documentary, or movie? Personally, I think Tiger's Fall and Slow Climb Back to the Top would be a great movie. A Senna-style documentary on the Greece 04 win, or a movie about the Giants 07 win over the Patriots? I'd like to read an oral history of that 07 Super Bowl and almost a play-by-play of the player's view of how that game was going, because that Patriots team should have wiped the floor with that Giants team. It's one of the biggest upsets, I think, in, in Super Bowl history um I, I would imagine at some point there will be a thirty for thirty about it we've seen incredible thirty for the 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 e s p n thirty for thirty is the greatest sports documentary series there's ever been they're they're just phenomenal um if you're interested in american football the four falls of Buffalo one is is just amazing um straight out of l a with ice cube and snoop is about the l a rams and the LA Raiders leaving. More the Raiders, I think. Uh, it's incredible as well. But well worth well worth your while. I would say. I mean, if there there is a book about the magic bird rivalry, but anything I can get on the magic bird rivalry, I'm into. I'd love to see a a film or documentary made about the 92 Danish team who won the Euros, having initially not qualified, getting that late call because Yugoslavia had been thrown out. I'd be very, very interested to see that. I'd quite like to see a documentary on the the breakup of the Kobe Bryant-Shaq Laker team. And everything that went on behind the scenes. And obviously Kobe's passed away. So you'd have to handle it in quite a sensitive way. Because there's a lot of stuff that went on that was, you know, maybe not within the the parameters of the law. But... Yeah, I, Guy, Guy actually is, is nailed on. Dark Side of the Ring, if any, any professional wrestling fans, Dark Side of the Ring, some of the stuff they provide, or produces is incredible. Um the the, the ninety two Danish team would be would be a big one for me. I I just would love to see more on that. Um I'd like to read a book on the the timeline of the Greg Popovich San Antonio Spurs and the five titles Tim Duncan Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, even you know going back to David Robinson who was there for the first two. I'd like to read that, that would interest me. And anything on Kevin Garnett, anything I can get in Kevin Garnett and the more Jordan I can get the better. Like the last dance is one of the best things I've ever seen. So the the big ones for me would be that 04 Pistons team or sorry the 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 breakup of the Kobe uh Shaq Lakers. The the Detroit Pistons team, how it came together with Joe Dumars as the general manager, how it went on to win a title. The only real team probably in the last 30 years, 40 years, probably the last 40 years to win a championship without a recognized superstar beating that Lakers team. I'd like to see a documentary on that and also the decision not to pick either Carmelo Anthony or Dwayne Wade in the draft and go with Darko Milicic. I'd like to see that. Um, And, yeah, like I said, anything I can get on Kevin Garnett, Magic and Bird, or Jordan. The more 80s NBA content, 90s NBA content I can get, the better. Um, MTUSA08, if you're creating a Voltron-like club by putting together Parts from other clubs to dominate European football. Which city would you put it in? And whose stadium ownership structure, director of football, scouting team, manager, first team, bench, and youth academy would you take? Youth Academy, Ajax. I just think it is is the best. It is the one that continues to produce the most high-end players. First team. I'm inclined to say Liverpool's first team and Man City's bench. I think that's what I'd do. Liverpool's first team, Man City's bench. Um, As a manager, I'm taking Simeone because, you know, he's just, he's who I'd want. Um, Director of football, I will take Michael Edwards. But scouting team, I'll take that of RB Leipzig. Ownership structure. I'll take Bayern Munich, but I also want Bayern's board setup more so than the ownership structure. I want Bayern's board setup, and if you look at the partners that they have, as you know, not not so much sponsors, but long-term partnerships that Bayern Munich have, and how that feeds into their continued commercial development. Um, the supervisory board contains the Adidas General Council, an executive board chairman from Audi, a board member from Alliance, the speaker of the board at Unicredit Bank, the Deutsche Telekom chairman. Like, those are massive commercial partners. That drives massive amounts of money through the club every single year. And then their executive board, which is largely made up of, you know, ex pros, people who've been at the club a long time, um, and then experts in their fields of like, you know, finance and marketing. So yeah, gimme give gimme give Bayern's setup. Stadium. I'm inclined to go with with Bayern's again. I would pick the San Siro, but it's not what it once was. Do you know what? I'd actually go Tottenham Stadium. I think the new Tottenham Stadium is phenomenal. And what was the last question? What city would I put it in? Um, want it somewhere nice. I'd put it in Lyon. That's where I put it. I put it in Leon. We go and we dominate the French League and then win the Champions League every year. Um, Mr. Feeling All Right was listening to a certain podcast and they said Milner is a model pro and exhibits professionalism. But such words like this aren't applied to the likes of Ginny. Why is that? I always think when you hear a player described and intangibles are the first two or three things said about them. It's because they don't offer enough on the pitch. With Ginny, we talk about his consistency, his availability, his intelligence, his versatility, what he can do on the pitch, his ball retention, how press resistant he is, how good he is defensively. We talk about international Ginny and his ability to score goals. We talk about Ginny, we talk about footballing attributes. When people talk about certain other players, they talk about intangibles. And intangibles are largely unprovable. So that's it for me. Um, Owen Hurley again, are there any derbies you've not been to but are on your bucket list? And what do you think the t- top 10 derbies are? So I saw this one ahead of time. So I've actually made a list. Um, ones I want to go to, uh, the Flaflo Flamengo, Fluminese in Brazil. I, it just looks like an incredible atmosphere. Um Al ali against Zamalek in Egypt, the Cairo derby, that's one I really want to go to. It again looks incredible. The Majestic Derby in Sao Paulo, Corinthians Sao Paulo. It get, it, I'm I'm basing a lot of this on atmosphere and the visual of it. Like these are games that I will make sure I watch every year. Um Club America versus Cruz Azul because I'd love to see a game in the Azteca in Mexico City. So I've got that one on there. And again, I haven't watched it too regularly. But when I have watched that game, it just looks like an absolute madhouse. Um, so that's, that's four. They're the four I really would like to go to. Um, that I've not been to. Uh, so to make up the ten of what I think of the top 10 derbies. And again, these are completely subjective. Uh, I've got Liverpool United. I know it's not a traditional derby and that they're not in the same city, but Liverpool United is a derby as is Barca, Real, um, El Clasico. I've got the, the derby of Italia Inter versus Juve. I've got Galatasaray, Fenerbahce. It, it just looks like it would be absolutely mental to be at. Um, the North London Derby, I really like it. I, I I I think it gets overlooked, but I really like it. And then, and this one might be top for me, Celtic Rangers. There's just something different about Celtic Rangers, so that'd be my ten. Uh, Jay Reed, 1987. If United do land Sancho, do you do you see any of their attacking talent leave, and if so, who? A big name might fall victim to being left out too much. I think it will be Anthony Martial. I do. I think we will see Martial push to go. I think there's a way in which you can play Ahmed Diallo on the right, Sancho on the left, and Rashford and Greenwood through the middle. That, that, however, would mean Bruno out of the team, because he can't play in a double pivot in midfield. It would likely mean Pogba out as well. In the short term, I think they go Rashford left, Sancho right. Bruno as a 10, and Greenwood gets developed as the 9. And Ahmed is a squad player who develops a little bit slowly, uh, plays both wings, gets just brought along at the right pace. But Bruno's only 26, turning 27. He might be 27 already. So you've still got a bunch of years left of him. I think Pogba and Martial are the two that kind of get forced out by the Sancho signing. So don't... There's only certain games in the Premier League you can play Paul Pogba in a double pivot. Uh, Vinyl Maniac 1964. Who is one player from each Premier League team that the team should want to move on? Bad contract, bad attitude, doesn't fit the style of a new manager, etc. Um, right, we'll start with Man City. I would say Mendy is the one to move on there. Good player, overpaid, injury-prone, hasn't ever really gained Pep's trust. At United, I do think it's Pogba. Now... One of the reasons is he's got a year left in his contract, and what did they do with him? You don't want to extend him. Nobody wants to give him a big pay rise. You don't want to lose him on a free because you've got so much money invested. I think he's the one to move on. Liverpool. I mean, there's a couple here. I would say Divock Origi is the, the one who I think it's most important to move on. He's on sizable money after his Champions League heroics in 2000. And 19. He hasn't performed for two straight seasons. I I think just get him out. Move him on. Um, Chelsea. Kepa. Huge contract. It's going to be impossible to shift him. But he'd be the one. Leicester's tough. Leicester don't really have any. Really Bad fits. I would say Ayoze Perez from a fit point of view in terms of how the team is set up. Ayoze Perez is probably the one. At West Ham, it's probably Felipe Anderson. They still have him under contract. Doesn't fit what Moyes wants. Didn't have a particularly good loan spell at Porto. But if they're looking to buy a player from Italy this summer, he could be a really good bargaining chip because he's still very, very highly rated in Italy. Uh, Tottenham, I think Serge Aurier I think he just wants out I think his attitude hasn't always been great Uh, He'd be the one to move on Arsenal are doing what they should do The one for them is Xhaka After that I think Lacazette is the one to move on Now he doesn't have a bad contract now But you've got the opportunity now To either sell him or extend him and if you extend him, it's going to become a bad contract. Again, with Leeds, there's not many. Like that lead squad, Bielsa has kind of crafted it into what he wants. I think Kiko Cassia, the goalkeeper, the backup goalkeeper, uh, because of well, because of the racism, he'd be the one I'd move on. Um it could be anybody at Everton, but I'll say Gilfie Sigurdsson. I Actually, no, it's Hammers. It is it's Hammers Because you have to play a specific style of play to get Hammers involved. And you have to count on other players carrying water for him. For Villa, I would say Wesley. Now, it's a tough one on him. He's coming back after... I mean, he's been out for the better part of 18 months after the ACL tear. So it was obviously a very, very severe tear. But it's a, a move that never worked. He never found form before he got hurt. It may be that with more time, he can settle in and he can offer something. He does have talent, and he did look good before they bought him. Was in Genk or Gent? Genk, I think. Who did they buy him from? Um, he, he looked like a decent player before they bought him, and they were quite excited to get him. Oh, Club Bruges, Club Bruges. But they did buy him off, you know, I mean, 13 goals in 38 games in the Belgian league wouldn't prompt me to spend 22 million on a player personally. Uh, I know he was twenty, twenty-two, twenty-three, 22, 23. So there was hope that he would develop and, and whatever. He's only 24 now. He'd be 25 later this year. But I think he'd have to be the one. He's definitely going to be sizeable enough wages. Um Newcastle, Newcastle's difficult, I mean, Jolington's kind of the obvious one, but there's still value in him as a a player, and you're going to lose an absolute fortune if you try and sell him. And I can't think of anybody at Newcastle who has a bad attitude or who's caused any real trouble. Certainly not in recent time anyway. Let's have a look at the squad. Dubravka, Darlon, Gillespie... I mean, Matt Ritchie's the only one that ever caused any real hassle out of this group um, when he had a bit of a tantrum that he didn't get his transfer. I would say Andy Carroll purely because if you're paying Andy Carroll money, you're wasting money. Um, so I'll go Andy Carroll. Uh, on to Wolves. Again, it's a squad that sort of Nuno put together, so it's... All players he was more than happy to have, or at least that's the the outside view, is that it's players he was happy to have. There's no real troublemakers in the squad at all. Um, they, do they still own Catrone? Oh, they still own Catrone, him. They still own Catrone. Yeah, it has to be him. There's no one else. It's just Catrone. I think Zaha's has the one at Crystal Palace for different reasons. I think it just could get messy if you don't let him leave. It's been it's been a couple of years now of him wanting to leave. So I think Zaha has the one there. Southampton have I think Wesley Hoyt is probably the one. You're still paying him money. Is he still he is still there, isn't he? He's still on loan. I think he's been out on loan. Um yeah, Wesley Hoyt. It has to be Wesley Hoyt. If you're paying, again, if you're paying him money, you're wasting money. Uh Southampton don't have huge resources, so he'd be the one. For Brighton and Hove Albion, it's probably Matt Ryan at this point. Um, I think he's got a year left on his contract, so it might just be time to pay it up and say goodbye. Don't really... I mean you're paying Adam Lalana money, which is never good. You could you could argue Johan Bakesh because I mean, they paid quite a bit for him. He's probably on sizable wages. But he seems like a good a good lad. He seems like someone who really puts the work in. He does have ability and he has shown in small doses that he can be a productive player. I know Florin Andoni was a bit of a a bit of a prat at times. And that was partially why they loaned him out. And when he went on um when he went on loan, there wasn't always great stories, but I actually you know what we'll go Florin and Dony. Um for Burnley it's probably Ben Gibson. It's Ben Gibson. They paid fifteen million from club record fee. Probably got wages to match. He has played a sum total of one Premier League game, five and all comp, sorry six and all competitions over a season and a bit. Um, he was at Norwich on loan. It went pretty well last season. I wonder if Norwich would like to keep him. But I mean, there was a time where Dyche just banished him from the squad and sent him away to train at, at Middlesbrough for the second half of the season. Which was just a bizarre situation. Eighteen months after buying him, and on a five-year, four-year contract, they're like, "No, just go train with some other club." Um, he'd have to be the one for Fulham. I get the feeling it's going to be Mitrovic because if Parker stays, I just don't think. I don't think that relationship is salvage- salvageable. Um, so I think it would have to be him. West Brom. If Branislav Ivanovic is contracted for next year, um, it's definitely him. Because you definitely didn't get him on the cheap. You definitely paid him substantial wages. Now, apparently he is out of contract this summer, so that's okay. Um, West Brom, then. Robert Snodgrass. Why they brought him in, I don't know. An 18-month contract. He'll definitely be on big money. Uh, he he can't stay fit at this point. And when he's on the pitch, it's very diminished returns. And Sheffield United... Again, there's probably... I know their fans will say Lise Mousset because they've had more than enough of Lise Mousset. But Mousset is a talented player. He's just, it's not so much his ability, it's his, what's the word? His desire that fluctuates. Um, but to, you know, because that's the, the name that I always see West, our uh, Sheffield United fans say, I'll just say Lise Musette. Um What do they pay for him? So they paid 10 million for him. He's got a year left in his contract. He played eleven games last season. He had a good first season in the Premier League, but last season was just a mess. Now I know he had some injuries, but still, uh, we'll go Leesma set. So that's all twenty. Um, thoughts on underreported in the no rumors for potential Liverpool transfers. Wootweghorst Julian Brand. Julian Brand, I wouldn't put much stock in because, um. Oh sorry, there's a third Oh Darbo. Darbo from um from Roma. Darbo I, I genuinely don't know anything about. He's played a handful of games for Roma. Um he's from the Gambia meant to be meant to be talented, but I just I don't know enough about him. I would have doubts that it is true. If I'm honest. I don't he wouldn't get a work permit in England under the Brexit rules. So I would I would have doubts that he would be someone they'd be looking at. Um Brand is someone Liverpool did look at heavily a few years ago. I don't think they'd still be looking at him now. He's had a pretty rough time at Dortmund. It hasn't gone well for him. He's still played quite a bit, but his performance level has not been good. He's stagnated quite heavily. Um I think he needs sort of he needs to get out of Dortmund, but he needs to go somewhere where he's gonna play a lot. And be a focal point of how they play. And maybe then he can kick on and get back to the level he should have reached. Um, I wouldn't put much trust in anyone suggesting we're looking at Weghorst. But I do like Weghorst. I would definitely take Weghorst to Liverpool. Because I think he'd be quite happy with the role. He is a Liverpool fan. Um, but he's 29 later this year. And I just don't think that that fits with what FSG will, will allow. If he was willing to take a role off the bench, I mean, it'd be great, but he's just he's just scored 25 goals in 41 games for a team that qualified for the Champions League. I think he'll want to go, if he leaves, if he leaves, he might might not want to leave. But if he does, I think he'll want to go somewhere and start. Um Cameron Vella, best five aside with all lefties versus best five aside with all righties, goalkeeper or no goalkeeper, your choice. Who wins and who's the MVP of the game? Is this all time? If it's all time, I'll go Messi Maradona Puskus. I'm almost certain Puskas was left foot. Might have been both footed. But I know I've seen lots of footage of him scoring. Yeah, he was left foot. He was a hefty man. Um, he'll be my goal scorer. He'll just stand up front, and I won't ask him to do anything else. Messi and Maradona can do all the creative stuff. I'll take. I'll take Roberto Carlos as my one defender. And I'll take Chiliver as my goalkeeper because he can score goals. Carlos can score. Imagine the rows over free kicks. That's what I want to see. Oh, that's my that's my left footed five: Chiliver, Roberto Carlos, Messi, Maradona, and Puskas. Um, for righties, Zidane or nine. Ronaldinho, I didn't pick Redondo, I'm making a change to my left footed team, I'm taking Roberto Carlos out and putting Redondo in, um, he's not a defender but he'll, he'll do the job for me, um, R- Ronaldinho, Zidane, or 9 Maldini, Maldini was right footed so I'm putting him in, as my defender. And then Buffon in goal. Um, as for who wins. I think the physicality of the right footed team might just be a little bit too much. You have to love lefties though. Um, who's the MVP of the game? Maradona. Always. Always. It's the best player we've ever had. Here's here's Neil Devlin trying to get me in trouble now. Henderson po- propaganda discuss Yesterday was the ten year anniversary of Jordan Henderson signing for Liverpool. Uh so they pulled out clips of goals from five years ago. Um Maddie Holesworth, two part question Other than the Mighty Reds, what are the best games to watch as a neutral in the other big four leagues and championships ba- based on Atmosphere pubs nearby, overall match day experience, price, etc. Always the El Clasico. The Madrid Derby's great. Schalke have been relegated, but Dortmund Schalke was always special. Dortmund Bayern doesn't have the same, just doesn't have the same pull to it. It's not a top five league, it's the second division in Germany, but St. Pauli versus Hamburg is absolutely worth your while. Um, Juve-Fiorentina is an interesting one. There's always quite a lot of quite a lot of dislike between the two sets of fans. Um, Betis Sevilla is a great one. valencia Vireal is a great one. Lyon-PSG is always good. PSG-Marseille in Marseille is good. Uh, have you ever worked in football? I have done some scouting in the past. I have. Um, James Horton, If Southgate was a PL manager, where do you think he'd rank of the current managers? Personally, I'd say bottom three. Now Roy and Parker have left the league. Yeah, absolutely bottom three. Um, if we look at this past season, Pep is better. I, I don't know if Ollie's better. He probably is slightly better, but it's close. Klopp is clearly better, Tuchel's better, Rodgers is better, Moyes is better. Mourinho is better, now he's gone, but it's Fonseca now, so he's better. Um, I don't think Arteta's better, so he'd be in that crowd. is obviously better. Everton don't have a manager, but Carlo was clearly better. Uh, Dean Smith is better. I would say Bruce is moderately better. I don't know enough about Bruno Lage, but he did win the Portuguese title. That's more impressive than anything Southgate's done. Obviously, Nuno was better. Hodgie's a much better manager than, than Southgate. There's no no doubt about that. Um, Interest to see who Palace appoint next. Ralph is better. Potter's better. Dyche is much better. Parker. Sam is better. And Wilder was better. And... And... He, the guy that they've who the guy Sheffield United have just appointed, Ukanovic is that his surname? Slavisa. Yeah, he's he's better. He's substantially better. He's won two promotions. I would say based on last season's managers, he's in the bottom three with Parker and Arteta. But Arteta won an FA Cup and Parker got promoted out of the Championship. I would say he would be bottom. I'd say he'd be the worst manager in the league based on last season. Um H23 Football thoughts on this fella. That is Who is that? Is that Brandon Harrison? It is. Brendan Harrison. It is. It's Brendan Harrison of uh Red Bull Salzburg. Um had a, a really really impressive 6 months. With Salzburg. Great ball control. Loved the little bit of narc he has about himself. He's fearless on the ball. He's not afraid to go and win the ball back. Well, he's only like 19 or twenty. He's just he's 20. He'll be 21 in October. Um, I do like him. I do. I think he's gonna be a really, really impressive player. Liked what I saw of him for for Philadelphia Union. There was only I only saw a little bits because MLS is a little bit outside of what I watch these days. But um, yeah, Aronson, Aronson's going to be... Having the likes of him with Gio Reyna and Pulisic, I mean, that's that's something that Americans have got to be very, very excited about. And then you've got Eunice Musa, Tyler Adams, and Weston McKinney as well. The question is, who's the number nine? Daryl Dyke has talent but he's still a bit raw. Timothy Weah has talent but is raw. Josh Sargent less talent, more raw. Great presser, great off the ball, not as good on the ball. I mean, Serginho Dest at right wing, at right back, Anthony Robinson at left wing back. That's something you can be really excited about. I really like the young center back, um Chris Richards. I think Stefan's a decent goalkeeper, and David Achoya looks looks like he might be something. Um, I think this American team is really on the verge of of it's, it's on the verge of becoming the best American team of all time, and the best play, excuse me, all the best players are kids, I think 22 and under. Other than, other than Stefan. But Aronson is twenty. Rain is nine. Rain is eighteen. Pulisic, Adams, and McKenney are twenty-two. Musa is eighteen. Oh, Anthony Robinson is twenty-three. He'd be the oldest of them. Dest is only twenty. If they can figure out who is going to be the nine. And then find a way to get the rest in the team. It, that is going to be a special, special team. It really is. And the thing is, now they're, they're playing at the top clubs. Dest is playing for Barcelona. Adams is at Leipzig. McKenney is at um, Juventus. I I think Anthony Robinson could get a move. Remember, AC Milan came quite close to signing him. Reyna is at Dortmund. Musa is at Valencia. Pulisic is at Chelsea. Aronson is at Salzburg, not a top club, but he will get a move to a top club next, without doubt. It's a really, really impressive group of players. Matthew Hopper, the kid at Schalke, he looks like he could be a little bit decent as well. So, yeah, I think for for, uh, U.S. soccer fans, it is U.S. soccer fans. You notice the way I, I say soccer for you guys, not football football here, soccer over there. Uh, it is time to get excited. Your team is going to be really good in, in two, three years. Uh, Mikhail Campbell, have you seen the Netflix Roberto Baggio documentary? If you did, what are your thoughts on it? Had it not been for the hamstring injury against Bulgaria, would Italy have beaten Brazil in the final? Is the the Italian Maradona? Um, I have not actually watched the documentary yet, and I don't know why. Eddie Gibbs actually told me about it when it was coming out, and I completely forgot about it, so I... Thank you for the reminder. I will be watching it in the next couple of days. Um, yes, I do think they would have beaten Brazil in the final. But I also think you have to factor in. There were some injuries, other injuries and suspensions in that Italian team. So that year, Baresi got hurt at the World Cup, had surgery and came back for the final. He'd, he missed a couple of games in that tournament. Maldini had to play centre-back because Costa Curta got suspended. Now, Costa Curta had the worst luck that year. He also got suspended and missed the Champions League final that same season. Um, I, think they, I think they would have beaten Brazil. Baggio was so good at that. He was the best player in the world at that time. Like the midfield isn't particularly inspiring. Albertini was great. Donadoni was probably at the end of his his prime there, or maybe a little bit past his prime. Dino Baggio was a good player, not a great player. Nicola Berti should have been a great player, but never quite fulfilled his potential. Daniele Massaro was, again, decent, not particularly great. But it was a. I I do think Baggio was just that special that he would have made the difference. But that hamstring injury really did hamper him. You could see he wasn't the same player. And I think if it hadn't been a World Cup final, he probably wouldn't have played in it. You just wonder why someone like Signore. Or Raggi Why they didn't get the, the nod in the final. I think Saki messed up. He picked Masaro, Who was well past his best at that point. I know he was the, the hard worker. But there were better options in the squad. Better goal scoring options for sure. I mean, Pepe Signore would have been banging in goals for Lazio. He scored 23 goals in 24 Serie A games the season before that World Cup. He should have been starting next to Baggio. I know the fit's not ideal, but you make it work. Right. Um, My surname is Can2, because um, my surname is Can1, is suspended. Will Liverpool actively look for a Ginny replacement? I think they will. I genuinely think they will. I don't think they want it to leak out that they're doing so, but I think they will. Who is most likely to start the season as the centre-back pairing? If I had to guess, I would say Kanate and Virgil, because I don't think Matip's going to be fully fit, and Joe Gomez needs to be brought along slowly. So I guess I would guess Kanate and Virgil start the season as the first-choice pair. Um... Lewis Phillips, name an 11 of, name a team of 11 players who made their careers of one world-class or very good performance, but were average at best. Oh, this is good. So normally the easiest way to do this is to look at World Cups and European Championships in which players performed well above their actual level of ability. And Carol Paborski would be one of the captains of this. He'd be in on the right wing. El Hajj Juff would obviously be up front. There's there's no bigger example than El Hajj Juff. You just couldn't make him the captain because he'd probably get himself sent off. Um. This is actually tough. I think David James. I think David James would be my goalkeeper. Now it wasn't an international tournament, but I remember. Re- no, do you know what? <laughs> the other way to do it is to look at players who did really well against a certain club, and were then signed by that club and turned out to be very, very average. David, there was definitely a David James performance for Watford against Liverpool. Oh, Dudek in Istanbul is a great chap, But no, because hang on, Dudek at, Fjord, at Feyenoord was great. And in his first season, Liverpool, he was the best keeper in the league. So it's a little bit harsh on Dudek. There has to be a better goalkeeper. I mean, Massimo Taibi springs to mind. I don't know how true it is, but I remember reading a story that United scouts went to watch a goalkeeper... And Ta- Taibi was in the other goal, and they came away blown away by Taibi, and that's why they signed him. Guy mentions Bogdan, and Bogdan is an example of a player who does well against a certain club, and then that club signs him. But it, I, I'll go with Taibi because I mean I never saw anything to suggest he was in any way a good goalkeeper. So I'll go Taibi, uh, William Prunier, the centre back that went on trial at Manchester United. Had a great first game, and then got obliterated against Spurs, and that was the last we saw of him. Um, Lucas Leiva would be in midfield, for sure. Bang average throughout his whole career. Had a couple of good games against City and Chelsea, and that was kind of it for him. Um... I think Stuart Downing had a run of games for Villa in the back half of the 2010 11 season. And that prompted Liverpool to pay 20 million from. Andy Carroll would be up front. Had a really good run of games first half of the season. Liverpool paid 35 million from. He's never been any more than mediocre. So I've got Downing on the left, Paborski on the right. Up front, I've got Carroll and Duff. There's a Liverpool team to this. Charlie Adams got to be in midfield, doesn't he? Charlie Adam and Lucas. No pace. That's it. No, Paul Kincheski was never world-class in any game in his life. Um, Not having him, guys. Sorry. Um, that's my front six. I've got Taibbi in goal. Sergio Ramos. Now, it's not one game. It's like a handful of games here and there on in big occasions where he's popped up with a goal. But he's never been any more than an average defender. So he's definitely in. I think Jerome Boateng belongs in the same class. So I'm going to stick him in. And Glenn Johnson's a great shed at right back, guys. So we'll go Glenn Johnson at right back. And at left back, Left-back is hard. It's hard to even think of average left-backs, let alone ones that... Left-backs tend to be great or terrible. We'll stick with the Liverpool team. Emiliano Insua had a really good run. Was actually better than Glenn Johnson when they were the two full-backs for Liverpool under Benitez. Um, But was, was only ever really average for his career. So we'll go with him. So I've got Taibi, Johnson, Ramos, Boateng, Insua, Paborski, Lucas and Adam, Downing, Carroll and, and Diouf. It is, as Guy said in the chat there, largely the Liverpool 2011 uh, transfer window. Congrats to all involved in that. Um, Conor Lane 4, how was Coutinho regarded when Liverpool initially signed him? Did anyone foresee what a fantastic player we were getting? Or was it more of a shock how good he was? I don't think anyone foresaw him becoming that value of player. Now, even that value of player. Like, I'm I'm talking the 105 million. Forget the add-ons Liverpool screwed Barca to the wall. I don't think anyone foresaw that. I mean, you could tell he was a super talented player. There had been loads of hype on him out of Brazil for years. Uh, And when Inter signed him, they declared he was the future of Inter. Like, at that time, when he was coming through about 16, 17, him and Neymar and Lucas Mora were the three. And those were the three guys who were going to be the future of Brazil. Now, Mora never got close to his potential or what he was hyped to be. Phil got there and then fell off a cliff. Neymar has gotten there, but not as frequently as you'd like especially at club level, because he's taken such an easy path at club, le- club level in recent years, it's hard to say. Like, he's never become the best player in the world. Let's put it that way. He, that's what he, one, of, one of them was meant to be the best player in the world. I would say at one point Coutinho was probably borderline top 10. Neymar at his very best was top five probably. Mora never cracked, I don't think, the top 50. But, all, look, all three have gone on and had really good careers and made a fortune. So, congrats to them. But when when we signed Coutinho, it was... He'd had a tough time at Inter. Italian football hadn't really suited him. But he'd had a really good loan at Espanyol. And that's kind of what people were basing their, their opinions off. And I, I do think people were quite confident that he was going to turn out to be a really good player. It was going to be a matter of what position does he actually play in this team because Rodgers was still trying to figure things out himself Um, his 4-3-3 was not working at all but then when Coutinho and Sturridge arrived things changed and the team got uh, infinitely better uh, with your ideal transfer window, This is Connor again. With your ideal transfer window, what would be the second choice or be Liverpool eleven next season, a team we can confidently take into a cup, and certain league games throughout the clogged season schedule. Um. So I've said for a while, Rui Silva is the goalkeeper that I think is worth getting. But I I saw somebody say today that he's had an agreement with Real Betis for. For a while. um, Since February apparently. He has. Yeah. So it it appears he is going to. um, Real Betis. So you have to. I'd have to look for another out of contract goalkeeper. Because I don't want to pay money. For a backup goalkeeper. If I can. If I can possibly avoid it. And unfortunately Donnarumma's wages. Just rule him out of you know being the backup goalkeeper. Um, Thomas Thomas Vlachlik, Vla, Vla, uh, Vlachlik of um, Sevilla is decent, not great. Marco Dimitrovic of of Ibar is probably who I would go with then if 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 Silva's off the table. I would probably go with Dimitrovich of Ibar. They've just gone down. Um I think he'd be a solid enough goalkeeper to bring in as a backup to Alisson Becker. Yeah, he, he he's that's disappointing on Rui Silva. I would have I would have I would have liked Rui Silva. I'd like to see Ola Ana come in as the backup right back behind Trent. Simakistan then is the backup left back. Ozan Kabak and either Joe Gomez or Joel Matip, depending on fitness, as the backup centre-backs. Henderson and Keita as the backup midfield pairing. Oxlade-Chamberlain as the backup right-winger. Jota as the backup left-winger. Curtis Jones as the backup ten and Bobby Firmino as the backup nine. That would be my my sort of B team if I was if I could have my way through the summer that's what I would end up with. Um Bobby Nola do you think Firmino could su- could be successful as more attacking number eight at this point I don't think so. I think if it had happened a couple of seasons ago, yeah. At this point I'm not sure I think it's too hard of a transition at this point. Like he does play in midfield quite a bit anyway in terms of how he drops back, but I think he's maybe gone a little bit too far the wrong way. Um, Adam Hanlon, discuss some of Liverpool's most underrated players in the last 20 years or so. Heskey has got to be in there. Who will be the Euro finalists and the four highest goal scorers? Four highest goal scorers, I would guess Mbappe, Cristiano, Griezmann, I fancy Gerard Moreno to have a good tournament for Spain. It's a great season for Villarreal. If he gets games ahead of Morata, I think he'll do well. Um, In in terms of the final, I haven't looked at the draw, so I don't know what way the draw works out, but I would go France and maybe Italy. I really like that Italian midfield. I think it's probably one of the two strongest midfield groups along with Spain. But I'd put more faith in Italy's goalkeeper and strikers. Not overly keen on either team's defences. Um, but if Bastone starts, then that might give Italy the nod. But I, I, I think I'm going to say France and Italy in the final. Uh, Liverpool's most underrated players. Uh, Steve Finnan. Alvaro Arbeloa. Never underrate a full-back who can play both sides. can save you an absolute fortune. It's incredibly valuable to have fullbacks who are really competent both sides. Arbeloa was never, ever below 7 out of 10 Liverpool. Such a good professional player. Just so reliable. Every single game, 7 out of 10. 1v1 defending flawless, positionally flawless, read the game really well, swept his centre-backs. There's a reason he was an important part of Real Madrid and Bar and, and Spain teams that won stuff. Um, very, very stupid move by Liverpool to allow him to leave. They bought him for a song, they sold him far, far below value, and then bought Glenn Johnson. Uh Heskey would be in there. Heskey, until the age of what, like twenty-three, twenty-four, was actually a very good player, and then something went wrong with him and he fell off a cliff. Uh so Heskey would definitely be in the underrated category. We underrate Sammy Hippia. I've I've seen in the last five months how much we underrate Sammy. Um, but Stefan Ancho as well. It, it's often overlooked just how good An- Ancho was. Uh, Marcus Babel, massively underrated. When I see people say Milner's the best player Liverpool have signed in a free, I, I don't know what they're talking about because Marcus Babel was world-class. He was arguably the best right-back in the world when we signed him from Bayern Munich, on a free. And he was incredible his first season, helped Liverpool win a treble. And if it wasn't for a horrendous illness that struck him down, he would have gone on to be the first choice right back for a number of years. Uh, But him and Honcho, as the kind of right side of that defence, Hippie Carragher was the left side. That right side was actually stronger than the left side, even with Sami over there. So, um, yeah, I think those two... Arbaloa, Finnan, Heskey. They're five that kind of jumped to mind. I think Jason McAteer has become a little bit... Rob Jones as well. Jason McAteer and Rob Jones. Like, McAteer was a midfield player that we insisted on playing as a wing back. I think if we'd played him as a box-to-box central midfielder next to Jamie Redknapp who could sit and hold and dictate play... I really do think that pairing would have worked. Wouldn't have had much intelligence, but it would have been, you know, a, a good pairing. Would have left Rob Jones at right back as well, where he was the best in the country. If Rob Jones never got hurt, Gary Neville would have had about four England caps. Um, that's that's probably about it. That's probably about it. Um, if you have to pick between these to sign for Liverpool. Jude Bellingham or Eduard Kamavinga? Kamavinga for me, I just think he's got more to his game. Ansu Fati or Phil Foden? That is a tough one. F- Foden is more refined, but Fati is really explosive and I think might just have a little edge on him. That one's tough. Greenwood or Sancho? Greenwood or Sancho? Greenwood. I love Sancho, but I think Greenwood's going to be really special. Uh, Pedri or Saka? These are tough. Saka's more versatile, but Pedri's really gifted. Really, really gifted. Just the way he drifts between the lines, his ability to just avoid contact with people, pick the ball up in just unusual spots, beat a man, slide a pass. I love Saka, but I'd go Pedri, Uh, Verts or Musiala. Uh, Verts, Florian Verts. Spend all the money on him. Spend all the money on him. 18 plays like he's 28. Super intelligent. Takes up great positions. Links everything together. Super smart off the ball as well. Great awareness of where everybody else is on the pitch. Drops like he'll be in the left half space and the left-back will go on the overlap. And you look again, and he's just dropped back to left-back. No one's told him to do it. He's just done it, because there's a space there. And he might be needed to be an out ball. Super, super player. Kamavinga. Um, do you know what? I'll go Foden over Fatty because the injury to Fatty concerns me. I'll go Foden, Greenwood, Pedri, and Virts. Uh Nick Turner. Uh, I asked this the other day. Listen to yesterday's pod and the top Barclays 11. Got a good idea. Most mental Premier League 11. Like, most crazy, unpredictable, but funny. Um, Possibly a couple of players like David Luiz and Alberto Moreno for Guy. Um, Tamuri Ketsbaya would have to be in this team, wouldn't he? So, He's right wing. We're gonna play Albi Moreno left wing and Jose Enrique as the left back. decanio has got to be in the team. Benito Carbone's got to be in the team. He was, he was off his rocker as well. Um, we'll put we'll put one of them up front. Do you know we'll stick Ketz by at right back and let him just bomb forward. He wasn't very good, but he can run. Um, Carbone on the right. Ducanio up front. Rigobert Song would have to be in the team. Just a mentalist. An absolute mentalist. Rigobert Song would have to be in the team. Next to Luiz at centre-back. Gaza would have to be in the team. I mean, Gaza, there's, has there ever been a player more touched than Gaza? all goalkeepers are meant to be a little bit mental but bruce grobbler i mean liverpool played a friendly in dublin in the 80s and bruce grobbler got up and sat in the crossbar cuz he was bored um so bruce grobbler <laughs> um, i need a centre no i don't need a centre back i have my centre backs i need a central midfielder and i need a striker um He wasn't. Anelka was a little bit. A little bit nuts. But I'm not sure he qualifies for this team. Let me think. Do you know what? We'll take a quick break. When we come back, I'll have an answer for you. Right, welcome back. The striker is going to be Nicholas Bentner. Bentner has to be the striker. He, that man thought he was the best player in the world. So we'll go with Nicholas Bentner and De Canio up front. I think that's, I think that's quite a, a good pairing. Um, and we'll go Istvan Kosma in midfield. Not that he was mental himself, but just the fact that he ever possibly got a move to Liverpool just is mental. Absolutely, He's the worst player to ever play for the club. Um, so that that's that's the eleven. Um, Grabular, Ketsbaya, Rigobert Song, Louise, Jose Enrique, Benito Carboni. Carboni maybe in the centre. Cosmo was more of a winger. So Cosmo, Carbone. I need a centre mid... Who's the other center midfielder? I picked? Gaza. Um, Alberto Moreno on the left. And then Bentner and De Canio up front. I think that's got to be it. Uh, Callum Perry. How far could Rafa Benitez take Everton? Top seven, top four, or could he just give them a good foundation? I think top seven, and I think he could win a cup. And I think if you're an Everton fan, that's all you can really ask for after what you've experienced the last 26 years. And he, he would also give the next manager a good foundation to build off. But I think you'd get three great years out of Rafa where you'd get your top seven and win a cup. Um, which Liverpool in the know Twitter accounts do you follow? This is from YNWA Foodie uh, for the latest news. The only two I would trust are backseats man who's Barry. He was a really nice fella. Barry gets good info. Um, and there's a guy called Mick. I can't think of his handle off the top of my head. Mick's really good. Graham Kelly's always reliable, but he doesn't really give information out anymore. But Mick Mick and Barry, are, they sound like two characters from a book, from some sort of I- Irish child's book. But those would be the two. Um, I can't think of Mick's handle I- off the top of my head let me see if i can find it quickly um it's mixed 2b at m i c k s the number 2b uh he'd be the one um right back through these Tenors East. What are the top five best and bottom five club badges? Well, the old Inter Milan one was a top five, and the new one is a bottom five. Oh, I I genuinely would need to take some time and look at that. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I'll I'll have an answer for that tomorrow. Um, I will have an answer for that tomorrow. I think that's a really good one. Um. Matthew Book could Conte wait for the Italian job again and take them to the World Cup if Mancini messes up? Mancini just got a new five-year contract, so I I think he is entrenched. I think Conte will take a bit of time off, wait for somebody to muck up somewhere. There's a job in, in Salford that I think he might be eyeballing if a, a certain Norwegian doesn't start well next season. Uh, Guy Drinkle, how good are Brentford? Usually know a little bit about championship teams. Instead of Tony, I know very little. Um, Brentford B's won. The, the the chap who replies has given you the, the four players I would have said. Josh De Silva, Rico Henry, Christian Norgard, and Brian Mbuemo. Um Again, I'm not overly familiar with them. That'll be something to do once the Euros are over, is go and have a bit of a deep dive on Brentford. Uh, I know I don't think their goalkeeper is very good. Rico, is that his name? David Rico? Something like that? I remember watching him in the playoffs in that last season thinking he was a bit awful. Um, Matthew Buck again. Why do Premier League clubs never look at... Oh, Rea, David Raya. That's exactly who it is. Why do Premier League clubs never look at managers in the South American League? Surely it's better than the camel and the gravy. I, I think it's just fear of the unknown. Genuinely. I think it is fear of the unknown. Like Celtic have just appointed a manager who's an Aussie managing in Japan who'd managed previously in in Australia and nobody knows what to make of it. I think Premier League fans will be less welcoming. Uh, Eddie Gibbs has actually just asked this question. Celtic confirm Postacoglu as the new manager. Who is he? Um <sighs> who? Right, he is an Australian manager who has been managing I want to say Yokohama. Was it Yokohama Atlas? Yokohama Marinos. Yokohama Marinos, uh, in Japan for the last three years. He made his name with the Brisbane Roar. That's where he sort of became uh, well-known. He won the A-League a couple of times. Did very, very well there. Um, He was the manager of Australia, I want to say, for three years. I want to say he went Brisbane. Melbourne victory Australia I wanna say he took over in twenty fourteen and left in seventeen. I think it was three years. It could have been four, but I think it was three years. I could be wrong. But yeah, he's he's been around. He managed in Greece, he managed in he's managed in, in Japan. Um his teams play great football by all accounts. It's outside the box. A friend of mine, Jason Maloney, said, and I think it's the best way to put it, he is either going to be a cult hero or an absolute flop. There will be absolutely no in-between with him. I I worry that he's walking into a situation at Celtic, though, that's not ideal. Director football is still not in place. A lot of the top players looking to leave this summer. This is probably a deal that could have been done a couple of months ago. So why they've waited. I think it's nearly 100 days. Since Neil Lennon got sacked. But look. The best of luck to him. I, I, you know. I, we we can only hope he does well. That's the be all and end all. Um, Mona. At Legalise. Who would win an all-star knockout competition format. If you're to select a 15 man. Squad from each of the following. Oh, that's going to take some time. That is going to take some time, Mona. I will not do that one today because it will take the rest of the time I have. And we're already well over what I was hoping to get out of today. Um, Give me give me one of the days next week and I will do that one. Um, K-Mac of the Cup, Rafa or Potter, who is the best choice for Everton? Rafa in the short term, Potter in the long term. Potter is somebody that can go in and develop something at the club long-term, get the best out of the younger players. Rafa will make slight changes and get the best out of what's there and probably get more out of a lot of the older players that are already there than has been gotten out of them. Um, Bernadette Strickland, who would you like us to sign this summer realistically and who do you think we will sign? Question, Question two, how can United have only just agreed... Finished agreeing personal terms with Sancho. Um, I, I don't know what United do that takes so long to agree personal terms because they, they started agreeing personal terms last year. Uh, allegedly had them agreed, had them agreed again in January, have them agreed again now, and, and they know what the price is, and yet they offer $26 million below the asking price. That, to me, is not a club serious for buying the player. That's a club hoping the player pushes for that move. Um, as for who Liverpool I'd like Liverpool to sign I, the, I've gone back and forth on this, I, I really want Rafinha I really want Rafinha I think Rafinha would be a great signing, I think you play him off the left Mane off the, sorry, him off the right, Mane off the left and put Salah through the middle so then it's a question of of a midfielder to replace Ginny Wijnaldum and I've gone back and forth on this one between a Telemans, a Kamavinga, a Saul. But I think the one I really want is Borella, Nicolo Borella from Inter Milan. There's just, there's something about him. There's something about the way he carries himself on a pitch. He's 5'8 and he thinks he's the biggest guy on the pitch. He's good at everything. There's something. Roy Keen-ish about him as well. He's like there's a, something like a young Roy Keane about him. Keane wasn't ever the biggest guy on the pitch, but he was the biggest personality there. And he was the biggest force on the pitch. And he was still a great player. And Barella, I think, is is that as well. So I think he's the one I'd want. Barella and Rafinha. Uh, speaking of Roy Keane, he is on Instagram now, for anyone on Instagram, well worth a follow. Uh, but the, the Roy Keane, Mika Richards bromance and the, the little series they're doing, the, the drive to Wembley. I think it's the Sky Bet uh, Twitter account that's releasing them every day. They're probably on Facebook and Instagram and other places as well. Um, but yeah, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And Roy Keane just comes across so well. Naturally funny. Got a nice bit of sarcasm to him. Little bit of anger, of course. I I love Roy Keane. I, Roy Keane will always be one of my favourite players, and one of my favourite people in football. I think he's the best pundit going because he's honest, and people don't like it because he is honest and he doesn't say all the nice things that you're used to hearing about. You know your favourite player. He's just honest of what he thinks, and I think we need more of that. I think him and Sunes are the only two. Um, the only two who do that i think they're the only two who give real honest opinions on a regular basis uh looks good on paper felix best euro 11 of the 21st century max one per nation i will do that tomorrow felix tomorrow is the start of the euros so i will have that answer for you tomorrow let me have a bit of time to give it a think um i do have one more And I don't want to miss it because he sent it to me early. Okay. So, Anthony Zenk. The best four players historically from the following seven countries. Spain, Italy, France, Germany, the Netherlands, Portugal and England. So, starting with England, I would say Charlton... more Gascoigne and Gerrard Gascoigne is controversial because he didn't quite reach the levels he should have but I, I just think as a, Gascoigne from like 86, 87 until his knee exploded in that FA Cup final was just in, incredible um, and at that World Cup in 1990 he's, he might have been the best midfielder in the world the best centre midfielder in the world at that time. He was that good. If he'd gone to United, I think we'd be having very different conversations. Um, Ginny Wijnaldum to Paris Saint-Germain has just been confirmed. Congrats to him. I really, really hope it works out. I uh, hope, hope he got big bags of money. Um, Portugal. Eusebio. Ruby Costa. Figo and Cristiano. They're the four I go with: Eusebio, Rui Costa, Figo, and Cristiano. Uh, the Netherlands: Cruyff, obviously. I would say Van Basten, Hulsh, and Rijkaard. Yeah, that that's the four I go with. Uh, Germany. Lothar Matthäus. Gerd Müller. Franz Beckenbauer. I'm going to pick Matthias Sammer. He's probably not. But he is one who won a Ballon d'Or. And he's part of my favorite team of all time. My favorite international team of all time. Um, France. Zidane. Platini. Henri. Desai. No, Turan, Turan. We'll go Turan. Um Italy, Berezi, Maldini, Baggio. Brazy Maldini Baggio. I'm inclined just to pick I'm inclined to pick Buffon. I think he's the best goalkeeper ever. So I'll just go with Buffon. Um and Spain I would say Iniesta. Busquets. it's the best defensive midfielder I've ever seen. Xavi. And Fernando Hierro. That's who I'd go with. So I have questions then from... um, Henry's East. Top five and bottom five badges. I'll have a think about that. I'll answer that one tomorrow. Um... Felix, the best Euros 11 of the 21st century, one per nation. I'll do that tomorrow. And Mona, that one's going to take a little bit of time. So I'll do that one of the days next week when it's a little bit quiet. But um, thank you to everybody who sent in questions. Thank you, as always, to Mr. Guy Drinkle for his patience. And thank you to you for listening. We will see you again tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.